When I think of May, I think of my mother's words, April showers bring May flowers. And certainly we've entered that time of the year. Praise God. I love it. Absolutely love it. But it does remind me my mom's been gone now for about four years. And the flowers that grow on her grave remind me of her life. I'm certainly thankful for the beautiful flowers she planted in my life that I pray still come to bloom every year uh, as I remember her, as I press on to try to make a difference for Christ and his kingdom. And I know that's what many of you are doing. That's what Winning at Home is about, is passing on our legacy of our faith. And I trust you're doing that with your family as well. Thank you for being a partner with us and for being in this ministry, for joining us, trying to make a difference downtown as we're opening a new campus late in the summer, early fall, to try to make a difference for those who are underprivileged, those who have gone through tougher times than many of us have. And I trust and pray the Lord is going to help us really minister at a whole new avenue, a whole new level, especially speaking to the lives of people who are going through some tough times, some sad times, and that's what this Home Run Club's about. I'm going to actually introduce you to a lady named Jamie Tidd, a friend of mine, know her and her husband well, and have known them over the years, and Jamie went through some incredible trials in her life, and you're going to have the privilege in this Home Run Club of listening to her testimony and how God used an incredible tragedy she went through to draw her closer to him, but also to inspire and to encourage us. So would you join me now as we listen to our friend Jamie Tidd share her testimony, and we'll go there. It was a live audience, and you'll be a part of that as we listen together. Here we go. What we've tried to do is talk about some real-life emotions that we don't deal with very often. And this morning, this issue of sadness is going to be pretty challenging for us, but I think it's real. I don't know if you know this, but in the state of Michigan, we are number one for depression in terms of states in the nation. And probably some of that is seasonal, but certainly it's an issue we face. And today, if you're here and you carry some depression, you carry sadness, I hope that our words to you today will bring encouragement and enlightenment to you. And, and you need to know this. Um, so earlier this year, I was speaking at an event. I think I might have been in Texas or whatever. And the gentleman who was speaking with me, we were kind of tag teaming in the morning. He was the first speaker. I was the second in this morning session. I did not know him at all. I was from Philadelphia and he stood up to speak. And it was one of those powerful speeches I've heard this year. He shared how, uh, as a child growing up, really tough life. Then he talked about just circumstances he faced in his life, and he was done. He said, I was done with life. I went to California, went out on a beach in California, and I was going to take my own life. He said, literally, I was just done with the world, depressed, sad, heartbroken, over it all. And he said, I went out on this beach, and he said, as a last little moment, I grabbed my brother, I was at my brother's house, and I grabbed a Bible that he had laying on his little dresser or something. He said, I went, and I sat on the beach, and I started to read. He said, I didn't even know what it meant at the time, but I was reading only the red letters or the red words in the Bible, which is Jesus' words. And he told the story of how just reading those words uh, comforted him and helped him realize, wait, wait a second, this man I'm reading about, his life was sorrowful too. That Jesus is known as the man of sorrows. And he said, I begin to read this book and I begin to go, wait, wait a second. This guy, this guy gets my life. And he said, it was in that moment that I realized and later understood that Jesus really came for the brokenhearted. We don't stop and think about that very often. And, and this guy ended up turning his life around, preached right before me. And I want you to know today, if you're here and you're sad, depressed, broken hearted. You're going to find encouragement today in realizing Jesus came 
for you. He didn't come and that was a byproduct. He came saying, I want to help those who are brokenhearted. Look at this verse from Psalm chapter 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, the sad, the depressed. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. I mean, just look, that's, that could maybe be your theme verse for a while. To know God is alongside me right here. I'm not alone. The next verse says the same sort of thing. It simply goes on to say, he heals up, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up our wounds. So today, if you're here and life circumstance has made you pretty depressed, um, you're in a situation where you've gone through a tough divorce, you're dealing with all the crap that's related to the children. You've lost a child. You're really going to be ministered to later if you're in a situation where you've lost a child or dealing with great tragedy in your family. I don't know your circumstance today, but this whole idea of sadness, it's real. Don't act like it's not there. Don't deny it. It's real. And I want to give you three steps to overcoming sadness. Then I'm going to walk you through those three steps. But the first one is this, and we, we fight against this many times. But number one, I want you to understand when it comes to sadness, part of you dealing with it is number one, crying it out. I want you to cry it out. When you're sad, cry. Let yourself cry. God gave you that. I can prove it to you. Scientists have done the experiments and you need to know the properties that make up a crying tear of sadness. Okay. Sadness by itself. Sad tears have different properties than tears of joy and tears that come from an onion. They're two different things. Sad tears have an element of stress release in them. In our body, what causes stress is released in those tears. God designed us to cry it out. And so many of us sometimes want to go, I'm not a crier. You probably should be. Because it's one of the ways God gave us the ability to get it out. People who don't cry it out are much more likely, doctors say, for heart attacks. Because we stuff it and we keep it in. And God gave us tears on purpose. Hey, Lazarus died, Jesus cried. That's the shortest verse in the Bible. We talk about Jesus wept because Lazarus died. Jesus himself, the Savior of the world, cried to partly get out his sadness. So if you say you're dealing with stuff and you're crying, etc., it's a great thing. Um, when I was a child and growing up, my, my family, my dad you know, you guys have heard me talk about this a lot, but I, I couldn't cry. I got to my teenage years, I couldn't, I would try to cry and couldn't cry. And I remember when I began to ministry, I said to the Lord, if you'll give me my tears back, if you'll give me my tears back, I'll never hide it. Man, you should see me cry. You should see me cry at a Disney picture. I know it's not a property of a sad, I cry at everything. My kids, when they were little, would go to a Disney movie, like something, Aladdin, they'd be like, Dad, you're crying? I'm like, yeah, I cry. Don't be ashamed to cry. You boy, young boys who are in here, people, you can't cry. Cry. When my grandson falls and hurt his knees, I say to him, cry. It's okay to cry. It's a, it's a human emotion. And it's a wonderful thing. Use it. Sadness brings tears. And then after the tears, you have to make a choice. When you go through something that you weren't ever planning on going through, you have to make a choice what you're going to do with it. And so many times we make a choice that leads us to depression, aggression, 
And I want to talk about that a moment. For some of you who have gone through in the past year something really challenging. Um, you went into depression. You're normal. I shared with you two, uh, last week how two years ago, I was in depression. I, I didn't see it, but I was. I was just surviving. And when you're in depression, it's hard to see that stuff. And like we said last week, sometimes you, just get, you have to make a choice to get up, strap your boots on, and keep going. And that's not an easy choice, but it's a human choice. You've got to do it. Life will deal you some blows. It's how you respond to those blows in terms of what you're going to do. And some of us today in this room need to make a choice that we're not going to live the rest of our life letting Satan use this depression thing to keep us down and in a spiral. Now, it may need you need counseling for that. That's awesome. That's why we're here. When you get home, I'll help you with that stuff. But it's real and it's there. And so many times we make a choice to allow our life just to go into depression or aggression. We become attacking to other people. And these could be stages you go through. Usually you get really mad, really angry. And if you're in that stage today, you're normal. Depression and aggression is normal. But the key is that you get to the third part of that, which is confession. Don't stay in depression and aggression. Move to confession. In other words, saying, God, I don't get it. I don't like it. Here's the questions we ask. Why me? Why'd you do this to me? Do you not see me? Do you not understand this is painful? Do you see it's not fair? Because that family over there has not gone through what our family's gone through, and that's not fair. It's exactly what we do. Whether we say it out loud or think in our mind, it's what we think. I've lived a good life for you. I've tried to do the right thing. And my neighbor, he is a screwball and a screw-off, and he is happy as a lark. Look at me. You don't even care about me. And I want you to know, God can handle all that. You're angry. He looks down and goes, get it out. Get it out. Come on. Bring it on, big boy. I can handle you. It's okay for you to get it out. But when you finish that, you've got to turn it at some point and say, and God... You're still there for me. There's the choice. So many people, I had a friend, um, a pastor friend, who went through a difficult thing with his son. And he turned away from the Lord. He was on fire for God, better preacher than me, awesome man of God, etc. Totally turned away from the Lord. Because he said, God doesn't care about me and my children. It's not true, but he convinced himself of that. And it comes down to a choice. You guys are looking at a dude that had to make a choice with all the stuff I went through with my daughter. I had to make a choice. Am I going to let it destroy me or am I going to try to turn the corner? I, by God's grace, I was able to turn the corner. By God's grace. And I stand here today and tell you, point number three, God is good, period. Some of y'all aren't there yet with something you're going through. You aren't there yet. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, in the end, you're going to find out, no matter, no matter what you think, God is good, period. This morning, back in our devotion time, Josh read Psalm 13. I told him he should come up on stage and preach with me this morning because this is so good, I'm going to read it. This is David. Watch David walk through the three steps I just showed you on the screen. David, King David, a man after God's own heart, said this, How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? You ever thought those questions? 
This is, this is the guy that's after God's own heart. Sorry if you can see my screen, it's cracked all this night. But this is the guy after God's own heart. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Day after day, I have sorrow in my heart. Sadness. David, he cried. How long will my enemies triumph over me? Look on me, God. Do you even see me? But I trust in your unfailing love. Watch how this verse ends. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praises for you have been good to me. And today I want you to know God is good for David and for you. So my deal is, um, in, able to walk, in order to walk out these three points for you in your own life, I thought it would be really cool if we could do it on stage. So like I'm giving you three points, cry it out, make a choice, believe God is good, period. I thought, okay, today, you hear that message, you hear preachers preach all the time, and sometimes you drive out to your car and what you heard from here doesn't somehow connect, doesn't connect and get you to the place where you go, I can do those three things. So I'm going to today walk through these three things with a lady who did who went through this kind of challenge in time. So I want you to help me welcome, if you will, Jamie Tidge. She's going to join me on stage. So, Jamie, will you come? Morning, girl. Morning. So, Jamie uh, and her husband, Dave, who just walked her up here to the stage, when Jamie heard, you need to know how this happened. So when Jamie heard I was doing part of the series here and she saw the sadness thing, she actually contacted my office and said, Dan, would you like me to help you? And she'd always felt in her heart, God laid on her heart years ago that we would do something together. This is going to be just real and raw this morning. I'm not a stage guy. She's not a stage lady. She looks beautiful, but it's not all part of the stage. It's just the, it, this is just us talking. And this story is going to be really hard for you. I want you to understand this story is going to be really difficult. If you've lost a child, you're going to relate to this. It's going to be very challenging. So I'm just up front telling you the next 20 minutes is going to be really tough. But we're going to talk through uh, unstaged, unscripted. We have some things we're going to cover, and we're going to talk about those three points. But I want you to meet Jamie. So the story begins with Jamie's at her house, lives in Hamilton. Her former husband uh, was bringing the three children, the four children, to her house early morning for them to get ready to get on the bus. Got that? Early morning, former husband bringing from Highland to Hamilton, four children in a car, going down M40. And I want Jamie to tell you um, the story of her morning. So she's at home. Walk me through that, Jamie. You're at home. You're waiting for the kids. Right. Um, Kurt would usually arrive at a certain time with the kids every morning. And uh, it was very unusual for him to be late. So when it got to be about 10 minutes late at this point, I um, decided to call his cell phone, went to his voicemail, really didn't give it a whole lot of thought at that point, waited maybe a few more minutes, called again, went to voicemail. The second time it started to hit me that something possibly could be wrong. Hmm. I decided to call my husband, Dave, at that time and asked him if he had heard anything or if he knew anything of, I was just searching for something at that point. So he had told me that on his way into Holland to work that morning, 
that M40 was shut down. There had been an accident and that all traffic had been rerouted in both directions. A little more panic started to set in, but your mind doesn't go directly to, oh, that could be my family. So I hung up the phone with Dave and I, I called a few people just trying to pass time by, trying to fill my time. Then the phone rang and I answered the phone. It was the Holland Police Department and he proceeded to tell me that my family had been in an accident. Um, and I did what I could by, okay, can you please tell me what happened? And his first question was, are you alone? And I said, yes, I am alone. And he said, we will be sending a police cruiser to your home. We need to get you to Holland Hospital. Never thought to, okay, the worst has happened. You just kind of um, just keep going. And um, we ended the phone call with a police cruiser will be at your home to pick you up to take you. We don't want you to go by yourself. I got off the phone. I called Dave to let him know. He said, all right, I'll meet you at Holland Hospital. A couple more minutes passed, and I thought, I'm gonna call Kurt's mom, my former mother-in-law. I wonder if she has an idea of anything that has happened. So I called Sharon, and I could tell she was crying. So I said, I just got a phone call from the Holland Police Department. Do you know what's happened? And there was silence. She said, Jamie, I do know what's happened, but I don't want to tell you. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I need to know. And she said, Kurt and Zachary have been killed. Now, how do you take that over the phone? How do you take that as a mom? Um, Zachary's your 13-year-old. Zachary was my 13-year-old. Yeah, he was my oldest. So I... We agreed that we would meet at Holland Hospital and um, got off the phone with her, called Dave back, explained to him what had happened, called my dad, called a, call, called a couple of friends. And Dave must have called my his mom and dad. So they drove immediately over to our house. And my mother-in-law told me that as they were driving in the driveway, she was getting out of the car and all she could hear was screaming. How long had you been home there by yourself at that point? Do you remember? Probably only half an hour. Okay. 40 minutes. Okay. Not very long. No, but you're by yourself. Yeah. And it felt like hours. Yeah. So she came in and um, I just remember her arms being wide open, mm -hmm. um, picking me up off the floor and her sharing that they had heard me outside and we still continued to wait for the police cruiser. Ended up not coming. Um, my father-in-law then took us to the hospital. We got to Holland Hospital. There was a lady greeting us at the door and she said, asked my name, led me to uh, some double doors Everything was in slow motion. Yeah. It was 
Surreal. Surreal. Yeah, it's like you're floating on air. Yeah. The doors opened and I looked down the hall and there had to have been 40 to 50 people standing in the hallway at the hospital. And all I could think of was, how, how does everybody know? I barely know what's happened. What are, how do these people know what's happened? So, so you know that Zach has been killed, but you don't know anything about the other three children. I have no idea. No, you, I figured they were going to be okay. Okay. I figured everything was going to be just fine. The doctor then proceeded to tell me that, um, my son Zachary was killed immediately. And I said, yeah, I know. Um, I, I'm done. You don't need to tell me anymore. He then told me that my son Spencer, who was eight, and my daughter Emma, that was four, was aeromedded to Spectrum. Okay. And again, your mind isn't processing aeromed and tragedy. How bad that is. Yeah, yeah, how bad that is. And I just, okay, all right, so we'll go there to see my kids, right? And he said, um, your son Jordan is here, but Jordan is going to be leaving and also being transferred to Spectrum. An ambulance is coming to pick him up as well and asked if I would like to go see him. And I, of course, I wanted to go see my son. So we got to the room and the doctor stepped in front of me and he stopped me and he said, Mrs. Ted, I just want to let you know what you're going to walk into is not your son. It just kind of takes you back. And I said, okay. He said, your son has multiple lacerations on his face. There's blood. There's auto glass everywhere. He's got a neck brace on. But most important is that when you walk in, you're just mom. And your support is what matters the most right now. You can have no emotion. You have to be strong for your child. And upon hearing that, you think, yeah, I can do this. Okay. I'm good. I can do this. I walked in the room and saw him 10 feet away and my knees fell from underneath me. Dave caught me and tears just came. I couldn't control couldn't it. it. I couldn't stop it. Um, Jordan heard me at that point and he said, mom, what happened? And here you're okay. I'm going to be strong. I said, well, there's, you've been in a car accident and his first words were, where's daddy? And I said, and the doctor looked at me and the doctor said, you know what, buddy? He's in another room. Mm -hmm. Everything's, everything's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And then he explained to him he was going to be transferred to Spectrum. And so at that point, they transferred Jordan to Spectrum. They did. And you made the process of going over, over to Spectrum. Yes. You dr drove over. Dave drove with you. No, they have a victim's rights oh. or victim's advocates that okay. came around us that are all family okay. members okay. went into cars and they okay. transported us. So tell us that at the end of the day, the final result of just what happened was you didn't just lose Zach. I did not just lose Zach. Um, on the end of the, by the end of the day, um, Emma's injury was so severe um, 
they had done all the surgery that they could and were not able to repair the damage that had been done, that she too was going to be losing her life. And Spencer was hanging by a thread, basically. So Emma died later that day or? Emma died. We chose to um, donate her organs. So that next day, they have to do tests and stuff. So you, it's a process. So that next day basically was the day that was considered her death. So I want to, I asked Jamie for permission just to honor the children because one of the things I know when people lose a child, you never want to forget that child. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we're just going to show you a picture. This is Zachary when he was 13. This is him as a young man. And then this is a picture of Emma who was four when she passed away. You know, for me to, you know, Jamie, when you sent that picture over to my office, that mm -hmm. one was so tough to look at. Because you have to look at that, and even today, uh, the sadness. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts even today when you, when you know that's going up? What are you feeling? I can't believe. <laughs> sad. It still is sad. It never goes away. Well, this message is about sadness, and I would just ask you what, like if you had to tell me the things you went through, the three toughest things you went through. I really want to get to the core of that because I want to, I want to walk those steps with you. Yeah. So what were the things, <clears throat> as you look back at it, were your saddest moments? Yeah, it's all sad, um, hard to pinpoint, but the three I did come up with was third being the funeral, having to make plans for a celebration of life, of what had no celebration attached to it whatsoever in my eyes. Having to pick out songs of joy, um, walking into a room and having to not pick out just one casket, but two caskets, mm -hmm. and giving you explanations and I didn't care. Yeah. I could care less what they were in. I had nothing. Number two being the uh, cemetery. The day of the funeral. The day of the funeral. You did them both together. We did them both together. Yeah. And at the end of the ceremony, the lowering of the caskets, yeah. the finality of it even though you know it's not them, but and it's still. Jordan and Spencer, your children who weren't killed in the accident, weren't were at killed. the funeral. They were not at the funeral. No, they were They're still in the hospital. Okay. Yep, they were still in the hospital. And number one being, um, since we had decided to donate organs, Emma's organs, that day, I know she was already gone. I know we had lost her, but them wheeling her out, having to say goodbye to your daughter. Uh, she's, you still hear a heartbeat. 
You see her little pink nail polished fingers and toes and you're having to say goodbye. Yeah, I, we, we don't know how you made it. Um, if somebody would have come to you when you were 20 and said you were going through that sort of thing, what would you have thought? <laughs> There's no way. There's no way. That you'd survive it? No. I even thought it after I had my kids. Thinking, you know, you'd hear a situation or something and you'd be like, there's no way. I'd never be able to do that as a mom. That's a piece of you. Your kids are a piece of you. Yeah. So I want to talk through how you have been able to make it. I'm sure a lot of the things I said this morning you relate to and connect yeah. with. Let's just go to the beginning, the crying. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it was... <laughs> Tears galore. It was. It was. That first day, though, even by the end of the day, I had nothing. No tears left. I had no tears left. I just sat there with a blank stare. There's nothing. Yeah. People coming up to visit and trying con to console you, and you just sit there like a stiff, yeah. non emotion. <laughs> Do you still, I mean, obviously, you. I would think you see the picture, you see that sort of thing, but what yeah. makes you cry now? Do you have, you think of the kids? Oh, all the time, all the time. The things that would probably make me cry are them missing out on the things that we do. Your mind will just flash to them it being does. there. Yeah. yeah, they're there every second of every day. It doesn't go away. It's always there. Well, at some point, um, Jamie, you made a choice. You know, I know you personally. I don't see a ton, but I see you, and you're you're a lady who's chosen not to allow depression and aggression yeah. and anger. Did you go through that stuff? Absolutely. How long would you say you were in depression? When did that hit you? I would say depression didn't hit me for quite a while. Um, the first year was going through the motions of taking my son Spencer to therapies. So you're just busy. I was so busy. I just, I had to hit the ground running yeah. as soon as, and well, it was for him. Did you just go like, God, you don't even see me. I don't even care. Did you have some of that? Oh yeah. What kind of stuff? <laughs> just say it. How dare you take away from me what you gave to me? Um, it was so unfair that my goal in life was to be a wife and a mom. That was, that was what it was. And both of those things at some point or another were taken from me. Why? What did I do? How did I deserve this? How did you keep turning the corner? What were some things you did that you look back and you go, that helped me or that helped me? What were some of those things? Well, I finally got to a point because in the beginning I couldn't pray. I had nothing. I had a lot of anger. And once I got to the point of having nothing, I did what I knew best. And what I had turned to going through my divorce was being on my knees. Literally. Literally in my bedroom window, crying out to God.
I got nothing. What have you got? What have you got for me? Because I'm, I'm nothing right now. So when you're doing that, you're on your knees crying out to God. Were you getting instantaneous results, or was it more just you crying out? It, it felt like more just me crying out. Mm -hmm. But the more I did it, the more I continued to see the joy. Um, the smiles came back. The happiness in our family. Um, you know, just I talked to my kids a few different times through this, just thinking. And I had asked, you know, what was I like in the beginning? And our oldest daughter said, you really weren't present. And so I said, okay, I don't, I don't remember that. But she said, it took probably three months to you, till you, we felt like we could be normal around you. Yeah. I that we that. could smile and have fun. And it came back. It did. Very much so. So you would, you would land that God is good, period. Mm, very much. Talk to us about that. Because, you know, an audience this size, there's somebody out there who, let me, let me just kind of cover this stuff a second. Um, yeah, you're two church people sitting up there. Oh, no, no, no. We're real people, live in the real world, do normal stuff. And yet you were able to make that turn. And I want you to speak to them because they're struggling. They're still in the depression, the anger, and they've been there 10 years. So why would you say today God is good, period? You went through absolutely a night stinking mare. Yeah. And you're saying God is good, period. He Talk is. to me. Tell that person why. I believe God brings you into the trenches to allow him to show you how good he is. Um, he walks with you when you allow him to do it. As, as soon as as, as soon as I could wrap my head around the goodness of what he had, it was unbelievable. The doors that would open, the, um, the things I could look back to find joy that he had given me beforehand, the things that he had given me now, and that's what continued to give me the hope of feeling me again. Of feeling him. Yeah. Are Spencer and Jordan okay now? Yeah. Because they're um, in their 20s? Uh, Spencer's 20 and Jordan is 22. Okay. Yeah. Jordan is a senior at Ferris. Um, the accident graduated. was 2007. Yeah. He uh, graduates this year. And Spencer is, Spencer's, yeah, Spencer's doing good. That's, it's just, it's always been a struggle. There's some short-term memory issues. Um, he works for an electrical company and is doing some classes for getting his journeyman's. And um, the both of them have a great joy for life. One of the things you said, as we were just talking last night after the service, you said, um, God allows things to happen, and we don't blame God for this right. because there are, in this world we live in, there are what we call accidents. accidents. Yeah. 
Yeah. You came to grips with that. Absolutely. But yeah. you still believe there's a bigger purpose in all of it. There is. Give me one. Give me one thought about that. So somebody looking at your family goes, you're telling me you went through that and there's a purpose in it. What would one of those purposes be? My faith wouldn't be where I was today if I didn't go through what I had. Could you have done it without the Lord God in your life? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that this is a preacher. Do no. you seriously think you could have? I could not have. Because hmm. that's all I had. I want to throw a little picture up on the screen of Jamie and Dave and their family now. They've adopted three mm -hmm. children. We have. Uh, not as replacements, not but as, as additions to your home. Correct. And there they are, and they're still trying to seek to live a testimony of God's love and mm -hmm. faithfulness. And, you know, we, we shared this today, and Jamie shared this today. She's never done this before. Last night, obviously, on stage, her first time to do this. And so her goal in doing this is just for anyone here who doesn't have Christ in your life, I think you'd say it's yeah. what got you through, it is. but that you also can get through it. She had to have some of the saddest moments a human being could have on this earth. And yet look at her. There's joy in her life. There's joy in her face. Yes. There's joy that only the Lord can give. And that's my prayer is through this testimony today that somebody here would find hope in her testimony, but also in Christ. Mm -hmm. And I want to close this part of the service. I'm just going to close in prayer. And if you're here today and you're really sad, you're depressed, you've been through some stuff, uh, I invite you just to join us for this moment of prayer and let's ask the Lord to be with us. Father, I do just pause here. We have heard a powerful testimony of your faithfulness through junk. As Jamie was talking, I I thought of Job in the Bible. She's kind of the Jamie Job and lost two children. I thank you, Lord, that you have sustained her and her family. I pray for her continued healing. The days when she's mourning and doesn't know how to deal with it, will you strengthen her? And just watch over her life, her family's life. In the years to come, Lord, I pray you'd protect them from any more tragedy. And I pray you'd continue to give them peace. Thank you for the memory today of a young man named Zach and a beautiful little girl named Emma. And though they're not with us, we today celebrate who they were as people. Yes. And I pray as we move forward and today as some in the audience invite you maybe to join them in their journey of pain, sadness, sorrow, that you would remind us you are a good God, period. And that we would lay ourselves and our lives at your feet. In Jesus' name we all said, Amen. Amen. What a testimony. What a powerful moment I had there as Jamie shared how God walked with her through what I would consider the toughest thing a parent could ever face. I pray you never go through it. If you have gone through it, you certainly related as you listened to this message. And my goal and my prayer is that God would use this to inspire you to continue to make a mark for him, to realize and think long-term, to think about what his kingdom's about, not just our little temporary moments. Certainly, Jamie has to keep that long-term focus when she thinks of her life and the lives of her children. So I trust and pray God use this to encourage you, inspire you, and call you deeper in him. Thank you for being a partner with us here at Winning at Home on behalf of all of our staff. We are so grateful, and we pray the Lord will bless you as you go through this month of May.